Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Chelsea, keeping you up to date on the latest news from Stamford Bridge. Match recaps, previews, presented by WorldSoccerShop.com. It's the London is Blue podcast. Here's your hosts, Brandon, Dan, and Nick. Welcome back, Chelsea fans. Yet another episode of the London is Blue podcast. A little Sunday fun day over at Stamford Bridge. It looked like a, a real surprisingly sunny day, Dan. I mean, we've been there a few times. I have yet to see anything like what was going on today. You know, I, I thought it was sunny when I was out uh, kayaking the other day in the uh, beautiful weather we've been having in Florida. And uh, it looked sunnier at Sanford Bridge. And uh, I know, Nick, you, you actually had a little fun this weekend too, right? Correct. Yeah, we're, we're finally post-winter, um, which is nice. Um, so, yeah, it's been, it's been good. Went to the Sporting KC match yesterday, drank a little bit outdoors, drank a lot of bit outdoors. And, um, and, yeah, it was good. So glad to see that our colleagues across the pond are enjoying some sunshine. I know... Uh, by the pair, uh, numerous pairs of sunglasses I did not see in the stands that, that our friends have not figured that part out yet. But um, get yourself some, some eye protection, folks. You but, know, help yourself But, out. Nick, you did mention when we were talking earlier before we started recording that you were doing doubles, right? And I think we, we came up with a good thought and a question doubles. we wanted to pose. 
Um, if N'Golo Conte drinks a double, is it really a single? I mean, by the transitive property and his general appearance as a twin, one might say so. But I want to I want to throw this out to our listeners. So please hit us back at London Blue Pod. Let us know how you feel about this. I can't imagine N'Golo Conte drinking in any form, but, you know, I'm all up for it. Be a fun he, night. He sips from a shot glass. Um, all right. Well, exciting. We've got a new guest uh, joining us on the podcast. So uh, in four years, uh, we've had a lot of different people come through and we're excited to really kind of branch out with our American uh, network as well. So Alex Goldberg joining us, co-host, producer of the Calchulian podcast uh, and recent interviewer of Asmir Begovich. I know you said we should let that come up randomly, but that's just too cool not to share, Alex. <laughs> uh, yeah, what's going on, guys? It's good to make my debut. And yeah, um, I guess speaking with Asmir Begovic, especially since he was a champion for Chelsea last year, is pretty cool. Uh, I got lucky with that connection, but he uh, he was pretty good in answering some of our questions. He was rather upfront, honestly. We asked him at the end. Uh, I had an ongoing argument with my two co-hosts about who's more important to their club. Not who's the better player, but who's more important to their club. Mohamed Salah or Kevin De Bruyne, you know, if you take one of them away, what club is going to do worse? And Begovic ended the debate. He sided with me. So it was good to talk to him. And, and, you know, that's usually not a question that somebody in the Premier League will answer because it's their, you know, it's their, their teammates or their opponents. But he was very forthcoming. He's not a boring interview. And Dan, he's a New England Patriots fan. So he's uh, even better people. Boo. Yeah, best best <laughs> kind of fans man. in the world. Man. So I want to know Amen. what what side were you on, Salah or De Bruyne? Uh, I was on Mohamed Salah. I oh, mean, after me too. today, hundred percent. So after today's performance, uh, you know, let's not reference today's performance from Salah, but this season he's just been his statistics speak for it. But once again, my argument wasn't necessarily statistics. My argument is more based on the fact that Manchester City, sure, De Bruyne is unbelievable and a lot does go through him, but they are so deep. They have like two starting units offensively that if you take De Bruyne out with Pep Guardiola, he'll figure out a way to still score Liverpool. It was just so clear that even though Salah starts on the right, everything goes through him. And one of the people I was arguing against said, well, no, De Bruyne is a central guy. Salah is on the side. And I was like, no, you can still have everything run through you, even if your position's at left wing or right wing. And we know that when Hazard's at his best. So I went with Salah. Yeah, Man City's bench and the amount of firepower they have from all different places is completely different. Liverpool were uh, skin and bones today. And we'll get into that a little bit. Uh, Nick, really funny that, you know, between Alex and ourselves, we have a very, uh, very passionate mutual fan. That's right. Um, if this were LinkedIn, we'd have a mutual connection, and uh, that would be Marv. Uh, Marv. Marv's been a longtime <laughs> listener of our show. Uh, shout out to Marv. Uh, we met him about this time last year, so uh, good to see him pop up in the feed today. Uh, and Alex, you guys, have, you've interacted with him as well, so it's, it's good that we have uh, a mutual person to either agree and or disagree with. Yeah, well said. Marv is a... Uh... He's a loyal, um, you know, I know he's a loyal fan of your podcast and he certainly is always commenting on any tweets I may uh, send out. Sometimes we don't always see eye to eye, but honestly, you guys know this on Twitter, it can get downright nasty. And Marv, you know, with me has been respectful. I've wanted to rip my hair out sometimes with some of the players he likes and 
Willian and Bakayoko, but no, uh, yeah, Marv is great on Twitter. He's at Marvito Dude, just to give his handle. He's uh, he's just keeping you honest, Alex. (laughs) No, he keeps me on my toes. I mean, I can't tweet complete nonsense, or he'll definitely call me out on it. Yeah, uh, it is good. Dan, we also have another iTunes review. This one from outside the Chelsea family. Outside the Chelsea family, but again, we're getting people who are, are nameless heroes. So, uh, salute to you for some five star reviews up to 288 in the US store and uh, rising across the rest of the world and other various iTunes stores. But uh, Max, who's a Dortmund fan uh, who listens to the podcast, which is really, really cool, uh, says we should have kept Mishy. And, um, you know, we, that that's probably a point that we can uh, discuss as we close out the season and do our what if episode, kind of like Marvel Comics, like what if Spider-Man uh, had Thanos' gauntlet or something. Um, but until then, just uh, thanks to those leaving five-star reviews on iTunes. And we'll always throw you a shout-out at the beginning of the episode if you do. All right. Uh, fun little post here to kick off the pod before we really get into it all from Ugo posting in our Facebook group saying, what do we all make of this? With this victory, Antonio Conte handed Jurgen Klopp his first defeat against Chelsea since the former Dortmund manager's arrival in the Premier League. It was also Chelsea's third win against top six opposition this season. All three games won by a one goal margin, all playing in the 3-5-2 formation. I mean, Nick, it's obviously important to have a really good record against the top six. I wouldn't have thought that out of, or I'm sorry, you know, the, the, the top four, essentially, that we would have had that many victories, especially since apparently Conte can't beat Arsenal. Yeah, that's that's so strange. But if you think about you know, Liverpool have been everybody's darlings, um, you know, the team that are fun to watch. And, you know, C- City ran away with this thing so early that I think everyone wanted to focus on something else. And that something else has been Liverpool. But in the two matches we played them this year, I mean, it's been really, really competitive. Um, you know, 1-1 draw away and a 1-0 uh, win at home. And I-, I will say that, you know, when when Conte's back is up the, up against the wall, the 3-5-2 uh, seems to be his preferred um, formation against kind of high-powered opposition. So interesting to uh, to see that, but it's a really good shot by Ugo. So I just wanted to I wanted to give him a quick shout uh, as we enter into the the meat of the pod. Uh, I think we're definitely going to dig in a lot on that three five two formation as well. But before that, obviously, Nick, we do always thank our presenting sponsor, World Soccer Shop. Uh, fun little World Cup theme going on right now as people get ready for it. That's right. So the the uh, World Cup is coming up uh, June 14th. It starts. So World, Shop, World Soccer Shop is doing a Round of Russia bracket challenge. So if you go to roundsofrussia.com, uh, this is basically going to help you uh, select your, your kid or your team since uh, our beloved U.S. men's national team are, are not in this year. So uh, support us. Go to roundsofrussia.com and, uh, and yeah, get through it. It's awesome. I love the fake ad we got here as well from Instagram, Chad underscore Pierce saying, how sexy did Hazard look sporting that deep V-neck today, Dan? I mean, yeah, uh, can shout you get out to Nike. World Soccer Shop? I mean... <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a good option for uh, for next season, right? The kits haven't been... Uh, they're leaked, but they're not fully released. Good opportunity to uh, to take what was on display today and uh, come up with a little V-neck option. You know, it's uh, will, apparently uh, all the rage when you go up against Liverpool def- uh, Liverpool defenders who can't stop you. I have to say, Graham Lasso did actually have a really witty comment uh, during the bro- during the broadcast today, where they were talking about you know how how deep that V was, and he's like, 
you know, if, if Eden Hazard went and found his winner's medal from last year, it would kind of fit that gap yeah. nicely. So, I, you know, I like that comment. I think it was good. And it obviously showed that there was no amount of grappling and or wrestling and or suplexing that could stop him today. All right. Well, here yeah. we go. Match review time. Took on Liverpool in the Premier League. It was at Stamford Bridge, and it was this Sunday, May 6th. Blues won, Reds nothing. So, uh, correct score predictions on Facebook. We didn't have any, but thankfully that's not because no one predicted. It's because everyone said that we would concede a goal, and I love that we were all wrong on that. So, we'll go down together, and I'm sure everyone will be happy about that. But, Dan, go ahead and run us through this 3-5-1-1 lineup on the day. Yeah, Courtois between the sticks. We had the wonderful back three of Azpilicueta, Gary Cahill playing centrally again next to Rudiger. You had Marcus Alonso and Victor Moses in the wingback spots with a midfield three of Fabregas, Conte, and Bakayoko. Uh, that was the uh, surprise mark there. And then you had En Hazard and Drew kind of playing together up top. And uh, you know what? They played so well that these substitutions did not come until way, way late when you basically got courtesy minutes for William, Pedro, and Zappacosta. The big kind of question mark on this was initially Murata was not in the lineup. Comes out before the match that it's uh, due to an injury sustained at the training ground. Uh, and then post-match comments indicated that he would be available and in contention for the Huddersfield game. So uh, maybe not a performance-related issue, uh, just a owie issue. Yeah, pretty crazy when you look at the possession stats. Chelsea at 31%, Liverpool at 68%. Um, you know, but we had four shots on target to their five, our 12 total shots to their 10. I mean, you know, obviously Liverpool dominated the match, I'd say for the most part, Alex, but Chelsea found a way to be effective, you know, when they went forward. They found a way to still get, you know, a limit Liverpool, but, you know, find something at the other end themselves. No, they really did. And, as many times as Chelsea has gone out with a 3-5-2 this season, and, and I know it doesn't sound that accurate because lately they have not been playing the 3-5-2, but we got to remember in the middle of the season, they were trying that a lot, especially when they were going up against the better oppositions. And, you know, I, I want to pat them on the back because it really was a team performance. And they should know how to, quote-unquote, suffer with the ball by now. And they did. You just read the possession stats. They clearly did not have the majority of possession. That was Liverpool. And if there's one thing that Eden Hazard can do with anybody, it's counter the ball. But i got to give it to some players that I'm normally hard on. Marco Alonso, who comes back from his suspension. I think many fans still wanted Emerson in there because he looked great. Marco Alonso was good going forward. He was pretty solid overall. Victor Moses, another player I'm hard on, he was really good. He was, Not just his assist to Bakayoko, but he had some bursting runs that kind of remind you of Willian when Willian's in form. And, of course, you know, when you have those three midfielders in the middle, Bakayoko, Conte, and Fabregas, they all can kind of do one thing or multiple things. And Bakayoko had maybe his best game in a blue shirt, maybe, at least, you know, one of them. And uh, Fabregas, can, he just has a lot more freedom in the three-five-two. So, I mean, I still roll my eyes when I see that type of a lineup because I know it's a lot of suffering and it's just not aesthetically pleasing. But when Hazard's in that form, it's always aesthetically pleasing. So, yeah, I mean, not a lot of possession, but still plenty of excitement. And, you know, most importantly, it really like there was not a weak link, guys. I, I, I am very famous for being – not famous, but anybody who follows me knows – that I'm pretty negative. I, I will even turn the best game into somewhat of a bad situation. But 
I mean, even Gary Kale had a good game, which makes me cringe. So it was a good team win. All right. You're starting to steal my thunder, so we're going to have to cut you off there because there's a <laughs> lot of spoilers in that. Uh, anyways, Nick, 32nd minute, the only goal of the game. Olivier Giroud assist Moses. You know, thankfully he got the assist to, to really seal off what Alex said was a very positive day for him going forward. Yeah, 100%. And I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention the uh, – 40-yard crossfield pass from Bakayoko to uh, to get it out to Moses in the first place, and I think I don't know what it what's gone on with Moses this year, but I think that he has started to just play without thinking, and there there have been times this year that I, I think he's been you know thinking too much about his positioning or, or tracking back, and he's just let it go recently, and it's been great, um, accurate cross. Uh, got a little bit of a deflection on the way in, but then, you know, meaty French forehead, Dan, just plows it in. And it was that it was like the 20th minute on that Chelsea, Chelsea really got into the game for me. And uh, that was the, the culmination of a lot of hard work. It was exceptional. It was a really, really excellent goal. And I think we wanted a second for a long time. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you, you get one and the other team gets zero and you win. So... Uh, not too much to complain about in that regard. I actually, you know, I think uh, a couple of weekends this year have been absolutely destroyed um, by a bad Chelsea result, and this was one that was lifted up. So uh, thank you, Conte. Thank you, the players, and thank you all of Chelsea FC because it made the weekend that much brighter. Yeah, is uh, OptiGene, which is the OptiJoe's French Twitter account, uh, saying that since 2015-16, Olivier Giroud has scored 17 headed goals in the Premier League, more than any other player from the top five European leagues, which puts him ahead of one, Cristiano Ronaldo, who is on 16. And they call him a specialist, which he is. Uh, but mo- hey, Brandon. Yeah. Do you, do you know that that puts Giroud as our third highest scorer in the Premier League season and campaign now? Been there four months. For the season? Yeah, uh, seven goals. Um, so he surpassed uh, Alonzo and William, who were both on six. So that's that's also kind of crazy. So definitely yeah. a wonderful January acquisition and has completely changed the course of where we ended up heading. And uh, there's no pun intended there. All right. Beast mode. I'm going to open this up to everyone. Aerith Muggle on Instagram saying, can you please discuss the Giroux-Louise bromance in the goal celebration? Conte was even asked about this afterwards. Do they have a special relationship as if Conte is hanging out with the players all the time? And he goes, I don't know. I just hope we see it a bunch more this season. (laughs) Anyone? Anyone on this one? I don't. I had no idea. It was very deliberate um, to, to make the run all the way from the shed end to go, um, to go up to uh, David Luiz, who was sitting in, in street clothes. Uh, I, I think just, you know, maybe David Luiz said something to him before the game, like he was going to get the winner or something like that and uh, just wanted to pay him back. I mean, David Luiz is a guy who uh, I think everybody loves. Um, it's not hard to love him. Uh, we've, you know, spoiler alert, have had the pleasure to meet him one time, and he's he's lovely. So I don't know, Dan. Do you have any conspiracy theories about this? Well, it's not conspiracy. Um, Vi, who's been on the show before from the uh, the Standard, 
uh, did uh, kind of catch a, a comment, and she tweeted it out that you know Giroux ended up saying that David Luiz is a good friend. So I was very pleased to dedicate him uh, him this goal because he's going through a tough period and he's coming back. So uh, you know, I think uh, you know Luiz has been sidelined the entire season uh, for the most part here, and you know wants to get back to playing and. You know, Giroud is a professional, the same as Luis is. They're long-term servants kind of within the Premier League. And, you know, it's kind of cool to see that, you know, even though they were rivals for a long time, that in a couple months they formed a really good bond. So uh, nice to see teammates caring for each other that way. And, uh, again, I think we mentioned it one or two pods ago, but Giroud has seemed to really have a absolute plus positive impact on this team, not just on the field but off it as well. And, uh, again, excellent Excellent winter signing. Might have been one of our best in, in several years. Well, let's hope we see plenty more of it. All right, first question up is about Bakayoko. Obviously, I mean, why not? He is handed another start. Conte with the 3-5-2 of late, Alex. Lots of fans have written him off ever since the beginning. A small group have even booed him, which personally I think is very poor of them, but we can discuss that later. Anyways, do you think that we're starting to see enough potential out of him, you know, to keep him on another season, as crazy as that sounds, since we spent 45 you know, whatever million to bring him in. Um, but essentially, like, he had some time. He's starting to show, at least in my eyes, some potential. What are you making of Bakioko's recent performances? Yeah, today was much, much needed. The fans have been rather impatient with him, and I'm definitely one of them. But it, if we can just rewind to the beginning of the season, I was a fan of this move. You know, I, next to Conte, I thought that would be really powerful, almost like thunder and lightning. Bakayoko so big, Conte so small, both have, you know, actually some similar characteristics. They just don't look alike at all. Um, I, I thought there was a lot of potential for it, but, you know, he looked clumsy right away and no confidence. And a big thing, guys, was, and, and you know, it's kind of a question back, but, you know, did we rush him? Was he rushed in the beginning of the summer uh, or at the end of the summer because there wasn't the injury there? Yes. But, you know, I, I think he was rushed because there just weren't that many players available anyway. So, you know, I, I just don't think he started off on the greatest foot. And I'm not sure Conte did him the biggest favor. But you know what? They have to keep him another year just because they did make that commitment. And I do think he'll have more confidence next year. And, you know, if the coach does change, it goes to someone else. You know, I'm not even going to mention people, but I feel like he could be good in a 4-3-3. You know, and today you saw a 3-5-2, which means three central midfielders kind of. So, I've been hard on him, but he was solid today. That pass, as you guys said, was was really impressive to Moses. So I think it is enough to to keep him from an, for another season. I I mean, I think we will look back at this season and think about there. There are a number of players who, at the very least, haven't got better. Right? I mean, that's that's obvious. But there are some who feel like they've regressed, and unfortunately, a couple of those players. <laughs> Our players that we brought in uh, to help the team be deeper or better and or and or replace outgoing. So Bakayoko is one of those guys, and Murata is another one of those guys. And uh, you know, at the very, I don't think Murata's regressed. Maybe um, as much as he's kind of stayed stagnant, but Bakayoko felt like he he you know couldn't even pass the ball to a teammate at, at points this year. And I am am so impressed that he has been able to kind of shake off what's been a really hard it had to be a hard period for him I, I can't even imagine the pressure or the you know there there have been 
some some not so nice things said about him both in a stadium or outside of a stadium and all of that kind of culminating must be really really tough to deal with and so as a human i'm really happy for him uh i'm, I'm hoping that he continues this and, and shows the the talent that he uh put on display at monaco last year uh and then you know i think when, when you when you focus on this performance today there didn't seem to be the fear dan like he didn't seem afraid he wanted to get the ball back he wanted to make the simple play to his teammates and i think it's just a way for him to build confidence and, and hopefully you know spring forward uh in, into next year i think the, the best thing he did the entirety of the game was every time he had the ball he was looking to distribute it to hazard like his first pass hmm. was playing it to hazard and you know what? Like it, it sounds like simple and like like just super stupid simple, but that has to have been something that they've kind of just drilled into him from like a training perspective and the idea like, hey, if you get the ball, you need to give it to someone who can kind of play it forward for you. Like don't be the driver. Don't be the person who has to carry the ball all the way forward. Just get it to the man we pay obscene amounts of money to to go change the game and you do the job that you're there to do. And I think different to what we saw earlier in the season where he would try to carry it forward into the box, make the run in. Like this was a very disciplined performance from him. And I think speaks to a little bit of an evolution where the, the mind and the body are working together a little bit more. And I'm excited. I I think it it gives you hopes of what can be. And if you think about, you know, Conte and maybe Loftus-Cheek and Bakayoko working together in some kind of crazy midfield tornado, uh, that's exciting to think about next season. Absolutely. I've always held off on Bakioko, uh, not always patiently waiting, but it, you know, for the most part, felt like he will come good eventually. Uh, really interesting stuff. Um, you know, Adam or at AT foot 14 and at Lucas underscore, I'll ask him what we're thinking about Bakioko. Zane is Zane even saying, is he our X factor? Uh, only if he delivers, obviously. But to, to be fair, with today's performance, uh, just.giorgio on Instagram saying uh, that the entire uh, midfield was there. You know, Conte was tracking back on Mane. Sus kept the ball at his feet, displayed some loving passing. I mean, those three worked, you know, tirelessly today. And I think that is a massive reason why we were successful. I have been saying pretty much ever since the, you know, the winter hit that the reason our team has been struggling this year is our midfield has been not good and anytime you put Seth Fabregas in a two-man midfield he is set up to fail so again we had a competent partner for Conte and that was Bakayoko and that allowed Seth to do what Seth does best and I think ideally this is the best way uh, for the team to go forward um, you know from a midfield standpoint so we'll see what happens you know like the drink water and the Barkley those signs didn't do much for me and they obviously haven't done much on the field because they've been unfortunately injured a lot but it was good to see Bakayoko step into the limelight and and perform today so um anyway speaking of the defensive unit uh and you know the back three were immense in my opinion you know obviously the midfielders helped a lot more Dan but um a little cheeky shout from Rohale.007 Instagram saying, please, someone tell me whose pocket Salah was in today. Care to take a, ch- a guess at that one? Uh, hashtag hustle, um, a.k.a. Tony Rudiger. And, you know, he uh, obviously they have a little bit of history. You know, they know each other from their, their Roma days. But Rudiger was 
an absolutely dominant force in this match. And uh, I, I mean, look, you know, we'll get to the match, man, the match poll later. But if you put anyone other than Rudiger, uh, you're, you're dead to me. Um, I just Thanos snapped, and uh, you're all gone. Um, so he he had his best performance in Chelsea shirt. Um, he kept the Premier League's top goal scorer quiet in the entire game. Played him out of position. Um, really, really just made it difficult. Had pacey runs. Uh, really, really well timed interceptions. You know, wasn't committing fouls, and, and it was just it was great to see. And you know, I think we wa- often want to walk away. And the first thing we want to talk about is, you know, great attackers. But, you know, when we are playing with 35% of the ball, we should be talking about the defense and the strength that they put forward. Uh, Cahill had a, a strong game, and Aspilicueta also offered some of that too. And I would actually say you can factor in um, more so, I would say, Alonso. You know, definitely Moses was getting a little bit more far, further forward, was playing more in an attacking kind of position. Alonso, from a defensive responsibility standpoint, was doing a really nice job too. And that was shocking to see. And I, I, I don't know about you, Alex, but like the, I was shocked that we played this well and this cohesively against the best attack. I think a, maybe a little bit fatigued coming out of their midweek match, but ultimately maybe one of the best defensive performances this entire season outside of the uh, Atletico Madrid match. Yeah, no, and honestly, it really was. And I think it helped, though, that Marcos Alonso comes back and I think he finally felt a little pressure. You know, this is a player that clearly Antonio Conte loves. It seems like while even people like Eden Hazard would sit, Marco Alonso would almost never get a rest. And we were all wondering, why did we buy Emerson? And now all of a sudden, Alonso gets suspended. Emerson plays pretty well. I don't think it's a coincidence that Alonso had a very good game defensively today because he must hear it. He knows that people probably call him a free kick merchant. He, he probably know these, knows these things. And he was really good. As you said, Rudiger was phenomenal. I mean, he knows Mo Salah from Roma. And, you know, he, he just, Rudiger has such attitude and heart. And, you know, I, I'm not a huge Gary Cahill fan. And I, I hate that Cahill wins the, wears the captain's armband. But he was good today. But honestly, like, Rudiger is a future captain, in my opinion. The way he, he just leads out on that field and his energy. And, you know, Cesar, Aspilicueta is always good. And, you know, Moses was good on, on both sides. So, uh, you know, Antonio Conte can teach defense. And today they, they really showed up. Maybe fatigue was a part. You did mention fatigue for Liverpool. But uh, nonetheless, yeah, that was one of the best defensive uh, performances from that unit that I can remember this year. Fun fact from uh, Mike, a producer here, saying people forget that Rudiger's clocked at the fourth fastest 40-yard dash in the Premier League. Wow. I mean, that that makes sense because, honestly, halfway through the year, he was maybe second or third best on the team at surging runs. You know, the, the game would get stagnant, and then all of a sudden, Rudiger is just like, ah, screw this, and he goes on a bolting run, and it's shocking how fast he is. Mm-hmm. Well, we, we talked about the idea of, like, yeah, we're going to look back res- retrospectively at this season at the end of it, and we're going to be talking about Rudiger and Giroud as some of the best signings we made when mm. we spent, you know, you know, over a hundred million pounds on Bakayoko Morata, and those are the two that we, you know, if we had been, you know, challenging for the cha- you know, for the title, would have been the two that you would imagine we would have talked about. And I mean, that that to me, that is also not just players playing their their job and doing it well, but I actually think 
you know, we, you know, Antonio Conte is, you know, heading, heading in a different direction. He and Chelsea will diverge, uh, a la fast and the furious Vin Diesel and, uh, Paul Walker. Um, Jesus. but, but uh, they're the going down different roads today. Yeah. Come um, on. but the, ultimately like this was one of the best coached games we've had this season too like the game plan was perfect yeah there was initial 15 minutes in the match where you kind of felt a little nervy Liverpool's getting way too much of the ball and the defense wasn't settled in the game but then the you know the switch flipped we started playing the right way we ended up getting the goal and, and we put in a full performance and he was animated on the touchline he was gesticulating he was getting in the face of the fourth official craig pawson you know the the memories of burnley are coming back to haunt him and it, it was it was great it was great to see that he was up for it that the players were up for it and it was a total team you know execution it was great i loved it i will say this i think alex makes the the point um that i want to to accent here because before uh before this match uh, uh, Rudiger was out in the press talking about how this, if I, if I get the chance to play Salah, it's going to be a great challenge. And I think I have the speed and, and, and stamina and awareness to, to keep up with them. And I think that attitude and that just like, I don't know, it's just that swagger to say like, all right, top goal scorer in the, in the Premier League, bring it. Like, let's go. I think I got you. And, and he definitely did today. Uh, he shuts all out of the game. I think uh, Firmino and, and Mane didn't really do much either, and that's a credit um, to the to the rest of the team defending collectively. But uh, it was a personal challenge, and uh, the you know as we've talked about with Chidge and the FanCast guys and, and other guests, you know that there's a little bit of swagger without David Luiz in the in the lineup uh, that is missing, and I, I genuinely love that someone's just decided to take this and run with it and say, you know what, this we are good enough to shut you out. This is what we got today. And best of luck, it's going to be a fight. And if you get one by us, we'll tip our hat. But um, but I think uh, he took it as a personal challenge. And if I'm Antonio Conte, that's the first name in the team sheet, you know, right right now. Because to, to go out and do it, to say, hey, I want to do this, and then to go out and do it uh, convincingly is uh, takes guts, and I, I love it. Well, I think that you guys definitely set it up really well to talk about uh, Gaza, Gary Cahill, and kind of the day he had today. I thought that he had what I would consider a true captain's performance. Uh, I thought that Aspie was right on his heels, though, as far as, I mean, at one point, Aspie was coming all the way to the left side to clear something up. Uh, His tackle going towards the goal on Mohamed Salah uh, towards the end of the game uh, to break that up. Obviously, his not-on-goal touch that very easily could have been uh, at the end. All of these things. Um, Between Cahill and Aspie Lequeta, I mean, those guys just put it all out on the line, Nick. And and so, I don't know. I mean, I guess, what did you make of Cahill's performance today? And uh, obviously, Aspie is deputy. I, th- I think everyone's been feeling a lot of pressure and, and Cahill should be feeling the most because he's the captain and he's the guy this year who's been responsible for, for a lot of errors. You know, I, I don't think anyone, you know, if he were standing right in front of me, I don't think he would deny that. Uh, and he's usually really, really good about coming out in the press and saying, that's on me. That's, that's my fault. It's not the manager's fault that I screwed up or that 
our back line couldn't communicate. That's on me. And that's a stand-up kind of guy. Um, you, you want that out of your captain. You want to lead by example. I think what we're maybe missing with him is a little bit of that, you know, what, what Rudiger had today, which is that little bit of just fight and a little bit of uh, just swagger to say, like, yo, I'm still one of the top <laughs> top defenders in the Premier League. I have won everything. You know, you're not – there's nothing that you're going to show me today from Mino that I haven't seen from – any litany of Premier League strikers in the past. And, you know, I, I'm playing a little bit out of position in, in the pivot or in the in the sweeper role, but, like, I, I'm going to be all right. And and Dave is kind of the same same way. They're both really, really, truly stand-up guys. Uh, the thing I will say about Cahill and his performance today is he threw his body in front of two or three shots that I can't, Im- <laughs> I can't imagine felt very good. Alex, uh, this is... Uh, a guy who does have that Terry level of commitment uh, in front of goal. And I respect the hell out of that. Yeah, honestly, you know, <laughs> people who have been following me on Twitter for a while will never believe this. But when I first started loving Chelsea, I actually loved Gary Cahill. And it's because of things like that. He would always. <laughs> no, I know. I know. I called him Gare Bear. I mean, it was ridiculous. Like, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. No, I know. It, it's hard for me to admit now. But uh, yeah, that's 180. That certainly has turned around. But I can't lie. The one thing he's always done really well is what you just said, Nick, and that's he puts his body on the line. He has taken more balls off his head, his chest, you know, his uh, private area. Like, he will do anything to block a ball, and I respect that. I do. And, you know, I think you also hit the nail on the head with saying that a lot of people are feeling pressure here on the defense. Gary Cahill, of course, knows that he's been under fire for a while um, you know, as Pilly quite really speaks for the team often, at least like on social media, he will. And, uh, you know, I think I think Dave thinks of himself as the captain, at least like respectfully. So he knows that, he, you know, he needs to get everybody together. And then we already talked about Alonzo feeling like he had something to prove. And, uh, you know, Kale probably has the most to prove. You know, you said it. Um, he's been really bad overall this year. He really has. And uh, I feel like things have really snowballed with him, which has really surprised me because, you know, it's one thing for for Bakayoko to get down on himself. He's younger. He's new to the Premier League, and things can really snowball. I mean, it even did with Murata this year, another younger player. But for someone like Cahill, you know, he wasn't great last year either. You would think that at this point, bad things wouldn't snowball with him, at least, definitely mentally, and it has this year. But this team has kind of been handed a, a perfect resurrection plan in terms of that they still do have a chance for Champions League football and so many of them also need to prove that they're good enough for the team next year and Cahill is at the top of the list he was he was impressive today I don't know if you guys love who scored in terms of always going to it I can be a stat geek but he had a 7.6 rating like that's that's high and especially for a defender that's really strong We've had problems with who scored this year however I will say <laughs> I think their their ratings in this match are uh, are pretty are pretty dead on yeah yeah we go to them quite a bit for some different things usually when it fits my argument i mean that's when i use stats uh no same, uh, great, same, great, same. great work well there. the same great thing work, is like great i mean statistical proof. here's the thing like you want me to you do people want to hear that Cesc fabregas and bakioka were tied for most tackles today uh with then aspilicueta then eden hazard like ingola Conte is tied on two way down the list you know people to blasphemy like there's no way you're stuck in the stats and i'm just like guys it's it's right there you can agree with it or you can't ignore it um but you know talking about Cahill I think that 
he definitely gets it. He knows the situation. Uh, it's really interesting to kind of hear what he has to say about the fans. So this is a quote he had in an interview with 442 recently saying, quote, I'm sure the club bought me at this stage uh, to be a squad player. For seven million pounds and the fact I'm English and qualify for homegrown, 100%. You don't have to be a brain surgeon to realize, okay, they brought me in to be one of four or five. That's the feeling I got when I came here, but I can remember how determined and hungry I was to make this a success. The majority of Chelsea fans have been unbelievable to me, but there is maybe an element of 5% always thinking, get the next best thing in or move him on. I can I can feel that in certain percentage. And so for him, he just talks about every time there's a new signing, they're always, you know, all right, move on Cahill. You know, JT, they're, you know, hey, he's the captain. Even though he's not playing, Cahill's just, you know, filling that role because we need someone. Um, he gets it. He knows what's going on. And I think that the fact that uh, he, he will come in and, and put himself in front of stupid shots that no normal person would, or the fact that, you know, he's playing way out of position because he's with JT, right? He was a right center back. Now he's playing left center back. Now he's playing sweeper. And, and, and yeah, he's not the most talented one on the team. But today, when he steps up and does a really good job, I think this is our chance to applaud him. And, and that's all it is. So before all the Gary Cahill haters come flooding uh, our Twitter feed just know that you know you can appreciate him after a, a performance like today that's kind of where I'm at so um, I, I am shocked that he only said five percent I mean I think <laughs> I, I, he's being I think, nice I think I know he is but like if I were him and I, and I felt this way about Arsene Wenger too I mean it was obviously his last home match today like he was really gracious to a fan base and Arsenal fans that have been really shitty to him. They flew a plane. And I f- yeah, I, yeah. So, but I, I kind of feel that way about Cahill at times too. Is yeah, we and, and we have criticized his performances on our show. We have not criticized him, the person on our show. And I think that's the difference. Is you can be objective and look at a performance and say, "Man, that was shit," or "Man, you know, I wish he would have uh, not played a pass right into." Uh, into Courtois, who you know he had really terrible trouble uh, getting that out of his feet. It, it, like you can analyze certain things, but you know, just like Bakayoko earlier, you you would hope that no matter how terrible the season goes, that you as a as a fan base can keep your collective heads and and make sure that no matter what, you know, you're still supporting the team, even if you're not super pumped with every performance, if, if that makes sense. No, 100%. Absolutely. All right, well, anything else you guys want to touch on uh, in this match review before we move on to the man of the match poll? Nick or Alex or Dan, anything that we missed that you guys are just burning to get out there? Hazard was a wizard. Um, he, he is literally the only player in that lineup that puts the fear of God into the opposition. And, um, yeah, I think he did a ton of work off the ball today to draw defenders out. And uh, he's, you know... He was just—he was at his best today. I wish he would have had a, an end product to uh, to solidify that, but he was incredible. Yeah, I'm glad you said that about the end product, though. And, and absolutely, that would have been nice. It always would be nice if he could get a goal or assist. But this—and you guys know this—this this is the classic type of day where he really bossed it. He really controlled the game offensively. But some simplistic fans will say, "Oh, he's overrated because he didn't score or assist." But Today was that classic game where everything went through him offensively. And yeah, he has a high amount of dribbles completed. 
which is nice. And then people could say he's a dribble merchant, but no, he's creating opportunities left and right. He's doing so much hard work because look around him. There's barely any other offensive players around him. So that's a lot of responsibility. All the other top offensive superstars have so much more offensive talent to play with. This guy puts up with a lot, but you know, he definitely works well with Giroud as well. You know, they both speak the same language and they get along real well. They work well off each other. And obviously the best position for Hazard is no position. So he was awesome today. All right, Dan. Uh, only other comment I would have yep. is Anthony Taylor had a terrible game. He was mm-hmm. awful. Mm-hmm. Okay. He's so quick on the draw with that yellow card. I haven't seen a Premier League referee pull it faster. Yeah, uh, but, but, yeah. Uh, Milner should have had one basically in the opening minutes of the game and didn't. And then for the same type of tackle, uh, another Liverpool player does. So uh, consistency, it's all we ask for. We're not going to spend the next 20 minutes complaining about officials because we know that nobody likes to hear that, especially after a win. But uh, Anthony Taylor sucked balls today. <laughs> the one on, the one <laughs> The one on Milner was egregious, or, or the, the non-one on Milner. I don't know how that wasn't a yellow. Hazard could have got a lot worse injured there. All right. Well, uh, yeah, collectively we can write them off as, as a unit this season is not showing up. So anyways, Dan, your man in the match poll, run us through what you had. Yeah, uh, open book test this week, everybody. It was excellent. Um, yet some people still failed. So uh, we had four <laughs> options. We had Hazard, Conte, Moses, and Rudiger. 55% of the people were right, which is just over half. Uh, you were the part of the universe that Thanos spared. Uh, everyone else was wrong. This is the second That's, that's all This I is the second week in a row you failed to put the goal score in the poll. Uh, yeah. I, uh, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm all for this, but I, yeah, I can't. this was way more about a. Do you put the assister yeah. in before the goal scorer? Uh, Mo- Moses, Moses had a great I, I, game. He was great. He he actually had, and I don't know how it kept on happening, but he had acres of space every time he was getting the ball. And I thought at some point they're gonna like, okay, maybe they're gonna bounce out a little bit, but no, they wanted to put two people on hazard almost all the time and so you know moses was free to kind of roam forward and, and take his opportunities so i mean i'm sure he he looked like he was having fun today which was nice I mean, the, the I, honorable mentions here would be uh really quick alex the honorable mentions are Gay, uh, greg cahill Baca, and dave i think those they were the next in line to potentially be added here um but yeah go ahead yeah, no, all I was going to say is if, if I were to take away take one out of the poll and put Giroud in because he was the goal scorer, I love N'Golo Conte, but I, I would keep Moses in there and take Conte out and then put Giroud in there. But Rudiger is clearly the man of the match, Dan. Yeah, Conte's a victim of his own success, obviously. I mean, it, yes. you know, that's why. He, he was consistently spectacular, but other people rose above what we hadn't seen it just i don't know anyways we'll we'll move on i've i've said my piece that i think it's crazy we haven't had that um but the table the (laughs) table now this is getting interesting jeff boss on instagram for dan the stat man what is chelsea's top four finish percentage now he's guessing 10 out of 100 while at mf partridge on twitter saying what are the breakers after points in the table can we actually catch liverpool liverpool or spurs dan all right here you go uh well according to 538 it is 14 percent 
which is up Ooh. from the 2% chance we had two weeks ago to the 4% chance we had. So we keep climbing thanks to help from our friends and then also helping ourselves because I think this was the one match we're like, well, if we don't win this, we basically have done it to ourselves again. Um, yeah, here's what he's happened. Liverpool needs to lose or draw versus Brighton. They got one game left uh, because that would let them finish at 72 or 73 points. Um, Tottenham can draw both their games, or if they lose one of their games versus Leicester or Newcastle, they would finish at 73 or uh, 74 points. We need to win both of our games, which would put us at 75, which at that point we would be clearer of both of those teams. And if all that happened, we'd somehow be in third place and not fourth, <laughs> which would be exceptional. Um I, I generally think Brighton have played really, really well. Like, you watch how they played United. Uh, they did very well. Uh, Pascal Gross has been very exceptional for them. Uh, potentially could be the, the difference maker there. You know they're going to be up for it because Klopp clearly wants to have top four. Uh, Tottenham are the one who have struggled a little bit more. And look, you know, we helped Leicester not too long ago against Spurs. Mm. Uh, I think they could do us a solid here, Nick, and or Rafa could repay a lot of damage and mend a lot of relationships <laughs> with a very key victory here. The the problem with both of those statements are that both of those teams have been playing like utter shit, um, and I think that I, I still don't think it's going to happen. But I would think that Brighton would be our our best chance just based on form. Uh, I I just I, I have to think. Being, being a realist, there's just no way that both of those teams are going to drop mo- more points. I mean, it's it's so hard to imagine. If it does, you know, we'll, we'll do some sort of giveaway or go crazy or something on, on the show. But let's not set ourselves up for disappointment. Let's be happy if it happens, okay? Like, can we all agree with that? Well, you know, I love the optimism going into today's match. Like, the Chelsea fan base, it hasn't been all sunshine and rainbows this season. But it's good to see. Uh, and that's just Alex, you know. <laughs> that's. Just- <laughs> but it was good to see everyone, like, optimistic after the, the results yesterday to, you know, come out and, and cheer the team on and, and get after Salah and, and, and even Solanke when, they came, when he came on. It, it was just good. It was good to see everyone rally together. Yeah, the rally around the players. The players showed up. Conte showed up, and it was it was good to see. Uh, and a difficult season, to to put it lightly. So as the table stands, obviously Dan broke it down. Chelsea are in fifth. Definitely have a shot of getting to the top four. Although it's not down to us just winning our games, it does come down to other teams dropping points. So, anyways, let's go ahead and move on uh, from our match review to a few of our social media questions. Uh, but real quick. Nick, the new Chelsea kits will be coming to World Soccer Shop very soon. That is correct, Brandon. You you read my mind. How did you know? Um, yep, so worldsoccershop.com will have everything as it's released. I'm sure that you guys have all seen the, uh, the teasers of what all three kits will look like. Um, because we're on a normal kit cycle again, this should happen uh, in, the, uh, in the next week or so if you're, you know, just spoiler alert that should happen so uh we will have something ready for that when it does but go to worldsoccershop.com when they do drop use the code london pod for 10 percent off your entire order think about customization or shipping or whatever whatever you want to add to your order and uh and get it done because they are uh soon to be officially released and we can start anew with uh with a new kit 
All right. Well, as we get into social media questions, uh, I think this is the right time, actually, Dan, to talk about the massive successes that Chelsea as a club um, achieved this past week, obviously with the Chelsea ladies winning the FA Cup and the Chelsea youth boys winning a an unprecedented quadruple at Man United. Wow. Yeah, um, Jody Morris's team continues to be one of the most impressive youth sides with their quadruple win. Uh, just absolutely exceptional. And then Emma Hayes and the ladies continuing to play wonderful, wonderful football. Um, yeah, shockingly, and uh, actually not shockingly, someone decided to leave a uh, go back and make me a sandwich comment on Instagram on our posts. Congratulating the ladies. Uh, you probably are the person making the sandwiches that they go out to eat and buy with the massive paychecks that they get compared to yours. Um, so you know what? Uh, you support Chelsea. You support all the teams. And you should be so lucky to know that your youth team and your women's team uh, are champions. The, the shouts directly here, and I think, uh, you know, we, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention a couple of players, would be Fran Kirby, who has been unbelievable for the Chelsea ladies. Uh, she is, she's just lit the, the league and the FA Cup on fire this year. And, uh, and Callum Hudson-Odoi, boy, oh boy, is he going to be fun to watch. And genuinely hope we don't screw this up with him, because... Uh, you know, he's just if you if you have been uh, lucky enough to catch any of the youth matches um, for uh, for the FA Cup or for the league on on Facebook Live when Chelsea streams them uh, or the ladies matches as well. I mean, you'll see both of these players just a, a cut above and uh, and, you know, certainly want to get Callum, Callum Hudson Adoy more minutes in the first team and and really some great experience because he's electric and who. I mean the the future the future there, Alex is uh, is a big one. Oh, I am not bashful about my love for Callum Hudson Adoy. He is all you need to do is watch him once, and when he has that ball, you you kind of move to the edge of your seat. You really do. He is so electric, so dynamic with the ball. You said it. He doesn't really belong with everybody else he's playing with. He really is a cut above. It's like you know you're in high school, you're a freshman, and all of a sudden there's this guy who's got a beard and he's 10 feet taller than everybody that's that's Hudson Adoy. he uh, he could really he could have he could have done alone he really could have this year probably somewhere else but how can you argue playing for the Chelsea youth team at that age he's still so young um I just hope I hope they do this one correctly guys because it's it's no uh small story how badly Chelsea botches some of their star youth players with bad loans and Hudson Adoy. He might be the best one I've seen in a long time, and they need to get that loan correct. You know, uh, Mason Mount's done well at Vitesse this year, but they need to either try to get Hudson Adoy integrated next year with the first team, and, and that may sound stupid, but I think he can do it, or they need to really pick the right loan. And and by the way, does does the Chelsea youth team remind you of the UConn women's team? Like they just they don't lose. They, and, and until they won the FA Cup, obviously last week. They conceded their first goal in that last game against Arsenal. That is astounding. They're, Jody Morris, his trophy cabinet is already overflowing. They're ridiculous. It's, it's not. It's not a final, really. If you win seven one on aggregate, you know, it's like <laughs> no. like what? What's really going on here? Like, it, you know, were they playing the the Arsenal under fifteens or what? You know, I mean, they they're outstanding, and and we have had the pleasure to meet Emma Hayes and. 
uh, you know, got to watch uh, her team train about this time last year. Uh, she is magnanimous. She's funny. She's really uh, awesome. Uh, she made our entire group coffee and tea when we were at the training facility. Uh, you know, not enough praise and love go out to her and her team. All right. Well said by everyone. Uh, interesting here from V Factor 07 saying Louise acting as the motivator behind the behind the scenes question mark. Uh, he posts a lot of stories with Bakioka and Drew and their performances have shown thinking emoji. I think we kind of touched on this a little bit already. Um, you know, obviously Drew is showing respect to David Louise, uh, you know, Bakioko and David Louise and Drew. I mean, they all speak French as well. I think that there's no doubt that no matter what David Luiz's situation is, he's always going to be a locker room personality. People are always going to be brightened by him in his day. So uh, I, I don't doubt that at all. A little, a little John Terry, perhaps in the background there. That could be interesting. Yeah. Like if if he's doing what Terry did last year, that's really really cool and, and shows that he has a bunch of character. Yeah, we need that. Um, Alex, I've, I I know what these guys are gonna say, so I'm just gonna throw this one to you. Uh, is Conte really gone? <laughs> At Dope Kid Trinity saying, with a recent winning run, should we still keep Conte? And also, what do you guys think about Conte and his 77 88 minute changes as been doing lately? Yeah, to answer the first part, is he really gone? I mean, I, I think so. Yeah, even if Chelsea do pull off the Champions League spot, I think he's gone. I think it, it's it's nice that he's ending it with a lot more effort. You guys mentioned how active he was on the touchline today, but I I would hope that all parties can look at this realistically and realize, okay, I mean, he he put in a good shift, a short shift, uh, yes, two years, but he won us a Premier League title. But I, I just – I don't think he really want. if he can really look at it, I don't think he wants to be here anymore just because he's a really good manager at taking a team that may not be doing very well and, and really building something. But I don't know if he has the energy. And I know that sounds silly, but I, I'm actually serious. I don't know if he has the energy in England to once again adapt to the league, adapting to him. And more so, I, I think the, the club also kind of feels the pressure from the fans once and for all about – Getting a team, and, and I, I'm probably going to say this and I'm going to jinx it, but getting a team that's a little bit more fun to watch. I think well, the team's playing well right now because Antonio Conte knows how to really try for results, and that's what they're going to do down the stretch. That's what they have been doing down the stretch, but I think he's gone. The only thing that scares me, guys, and, and I'm a Conte out guy, and it scares me because maybe he will stay, is I'm starting to think he's running out of possible places he can go because PSG is rumored for Thomas Tuchel. I feel like Arsenal is just it, that's not going to be where Conte goes, and there's, there's not a lot of other jobs, top jobs out there. Looks like Roberto Mancini's taking over the Azuri job, which Conte was thought to maybe be in the running for. So maybe he does stay because there's not many spots. But other than that, I know I really do think he's gone. I guess I don't know, Dan. I, I, yeah, I mean, yeah. it, 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 a lot of jobs have filled. You've been excited talking about all these different things, and. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, that, or maybe you can talk about the substitutions. I mean, him and the Superman on Instagram both fuming about these late game changes. Yeah, I, I wouldn't worry about the substitutions in this particular Dan, match we're because everything about was the working. Subs. I, Dan, I asked you about the subs. <laughs> no, no, we're not gonna, we're not gonna worry about them. We're not going to worry we about won. them. The, the we won. We needed to change we something. <laughs> no, we didn't need to change anything. If, it, if the game plan is working, you don't make a change. Like, this was intentional. So, uh, yeah. I mean, it sucks for people like William who want to make sure that they 
are primed ready to go for the world cup um but yeah it's uh, it's unfortunate but you know what maybe they'll get an opportunity to play uh this coming wednesday when we take on huddersfield i think conte has already said that he will have plenty of rotations for this one he's even pretty much gone ahead and said Murata will be starting um but that's kind of where we're at right now um before I guess I go all the way down the Huddersfield, we do have a nice little shout, Dan. Just a friendly reminder, maybe a quick ask to follow us on Instagram because... Yeah, you know, if, if you don't remember, at uh, London Blue Pod on Instagram. And uh, we're going to start uh, taking some of the content that we shot uh, at Cobham while we were over in London uh, just recently. And uh, we're going to start teasing it out there uh, over this week, uh, some video content that we were very happy to shoot, but uh, it's going to go there first. So keep your eyes locked and loaded to our Instagram page this week. All right. Well, we're running out of time, so we're pretty much just going to you know, state the facts for you. But the next match will be Huddersfield Town. It is a Premier League match, our 37th of 38. It will be at Stanford Bridge, and it's on a Wednesday. And as Dan or Nick so you know, nicely reminded everyone, it's your last doctor's appointment of the 2017-18 season. You don't have to have any more excuses after this one, guys. It'll be good. It's been it's been a really sick year, um, and, and I'm just glad we all have a chance uh, to get healthy again. You know, um, I think it's really key that everyone takes the summer um, is is healthy, goes to work every single day, puts in the extra time because um, with any luck, we'll have more sick days needed next year. So. Cool. Exactly. So it, how it works is they just drew Huddersfield just drew Manchester City at the Etihad. You know, it it was a, it won't be a cakewalk. They were too busy trying to celebrate. Mike telling me that apparently De Bruyne knocked the trophy over off the off the pedestal. So that just shows <laughs> you that some people are, don't know how to win. Ugh, obviously. Um, we buried him on the away fixture using a false nine formation. Saw Baca, William, and Pedro score. We'll, we'll have to see what happens, um, you know, but the biggest thing that everyone needs to remember is that no matter the fact that Huddersfield, you know, just got to safety essentially for them. Um, well, not really. They're on six. They're in 16th right now. They're three points out of safety. So they're going to be going for as many points they possibly can get. Chelsea need the three. So with that being said, three points is all that matters. Conte is going to rotate set your appointments, get your doctor's note in there. So anyways, with that being said, I do want to turn it over to everyone for final thoughts. But before that, I would like to say thank you to Alex for joining us. It has been an honest pleasure having you on the podcast and we'll definitely have you on again next season. Brandon, Nick, Dan, I really appreciate it. Big fan of the pod. It was good to get my first one, uh, you know, behind me. I look forward to the next one. That's fantastic. All right, we'll open it up to you, regulars. Dan, final thought. Uh, go Celtics. All right. Anyways. <laughs> oh, man. Um, my, my final thought would be just uh, paying homage to uh, to Roy Bentley, uh, who was honored today before the match. Uh, captained uh, Chelsea's first uh, uh, first division title uh, back in the 50s. Uh, it's been it's been a rough go, um, you know, since uh Ray Wilkins passed and obviously um, Bentley passing recently is, is just kind of piling on that. But uh, I love what the club have done. I love what former players have done to, to honor uh, those that are no, no longer with us. Uh, I think it's been handled with a bunch of class and uh, certainly seeing all, all of these you know, former uh, players come back like John Terry and Balak and, 
and things of this nature is really, really cool. And I think kind of shows that the, uh, regardless of the, the chaos that just consumes this club on a yearly basis, that there's a really strong fiber that kind of holds everything together. And, and yeah, I think, I think there's a lot of reason, you know, with, with some, uh, structural changes that we've talked about in the past on the show that the, uh, the club can, uh, emerge victorious yet again awesome all right well thank you everyone for listening as always uh love the win streak that we are on and we gotta keep it going for two more matches 100 percent points maximum from these matches we'll go out and get it see what the boys in blue can do but that's it from us so until next time chelsea fans you know what to do keep the blue flag flying high if you don't want the conversation to stop Make sure to follow the London is Blue podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you want to support the pod, you can leave a five-star review in iTunes or donate on Patreon.com. The London is Blue podcast, presented by WorldSoccerShop.com.